Hi ladies and welcome to the Amazing Bible Dot Book Club. I'm Julie Callio, your host, and thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to tune in with me today. If by chance you want to contact me, you can do that at vab.bc.pc at gmail.com. Well, ladies, congratulations. We have now finished the first half of the chapters of the Old Testament. Job 29 is in the middle of the Old Testament, the chapter that is. Once we finish with this book, Psalms, we are halfway through the Bible. Woohoo! It's going to take us five weeks to work our way through the Psalms because Psalms is broken up into five books. So we are going to take one week for each of the books. Now with the Psalms, these are songs and the title of the book means praises. The word Psalm comes from the Greek language and technically it means to play instruments or songs. Dr. Betts labels the key word as worship, and I really like that because we will find as we read through the Psalms, we are looking at songs from every emotion under heaven. The reason that I like the term worship is because we can worship God as we praise him, as we seek wisdom, as we repent of our sin, as we are in great sorrow, as we deal with our enemies, as we meet together in corporate worship in both the good times and the bad. One thing Dr. Vicker said in his class was that these Psalms are people's response, their prayers to God. And he says, I'm going to pray my way through the Psalms. So ladies, as we take our time reading these 150 Psalms, let's also pray through them. Don't rush. I also wanted to let you know about a music group called Poor Bishop Hooper. They have a song for every 150 psalms. Now, they don't sing it straight through the way that uh, the psalm is in the Bible, but it definitely hits the main points of each of the psalms. And so one of the things I'm planning on doing is listening to them this month as we read through the 150 Psalms of the Bible. This week, we are reading book one, which are chapters one through 41. Each book begins with a personal psalm and then a corporate psalm or a psalm for the church or the group that's meeting. Each of the five books then ends with a doxology or a praise to the Lord. At the end of the Psalms, there is a five-fold hallelujah chorus, as Dr. Betts described in class. Some people think that the Psalms are broken into five books because there are five books of the law or the Torah or the Torah or the Pentateuch. Lots of different names for the first five books of the Bible. The books of the law are God speaking to us and giving us his laws and his ways. The book of the Psalms are us speaking back to the Lord. Many of the Psalms are written by King David. If you remember when we read 2 Samuel in chapter 23 verse 1 it says, Now these are the last words of David, the son of Jesse, the man who was raised up on high the anointed of the God of Jacob, and the sweet psalmist of Israel. 
As we read the Old Testament books of history, we also discover that David instituted the singers and the musicians in the tabernacle and then in the temple. And I don't know if you remember, but there was supposed to always be music sung or played before the presence of the Lord. In 1 Chronicles chapter 25, verse 1, it says that David and the captains of the host separated to the service of the sons of Asaph, of Heman, and of Jeduthun, who should prophesy with harps, with psalters, and with cymbals. Then verse 2, which prophesied according to the order of the king. The key word, what I wanted to point out, was the word prophesy. Now, of all of the Psalms, David is said to have written 73 of them. Asaph, 12, the sons of Korah, 11, King Solomon, 1, Moses, 1, Heman the Ezraite, 1, and Ethan the Ezraite, 1. The rest are anonymous. Some assume David wrote them, but it does not say. Before many of the hymns, it may say, why the hymn was written, or who wrote it, or to whom it was written to. The thing about the Hebrew language, the preposition is attached to the main word. So, what that means is, when that preposition is given, it could be translated, a psalm of David, a psalm for David, a psalm by David, a psalm for the use of David, a psalm of respect of David. But since David is known as a musician, plus remember he played for King Saul to calm him down, it seems very likely that David was the one who wrote the songs if those are ones that are listed as coming from David. Now, since the musicians are described as prophets, some of the psalms are what we would call messianic psalms or about the Messiah who is coming or about a king who will reign. And many psalms prophesy about Jesus. Actually, in the New Testament, Jesus says in Luke chapter 24, verse 44, that Jesus had to fulfill everything that was written about him in the law of Moses and the prophets, and the Psalms. So, one of my goals as we go through the Psalms is to show you where the Psalms are quoted in the New Testament, and if and how they relate to Jesus. Actually, the book of Psalms is the most quoted Old Testament book in the New Testament. In today's lesson, we are going to look at the first two Psalms because they serve as an introduction. Verse 1 of chapter 1 starts with blessed, and verse 12 of chapter 2 ends with blessed. And both chapters conclude with those who perish. Now, before we jump into chapter 1 and chapter 2 of the Psalms, Let's sing our verse of the books of the Bible with regards to poetry. Mm, let us sing the books of poetry, of poetry, of poetry. Let us sing the books of poetry, the songs the Jews sang. Job the patient, Psalms of David, the Proverbs of the wise one, and then Ecclesiastes and the Song of Solomon. 
Now, Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Here we see that the man is singular. So this psalm is an individual worship. And then since it is talking about being blessed, we can describe this psalm as a wisdom psalm. It is giving us advice on how we are to live. I also want to point out the parallel lines that so reflect Hebrew poetry. These three lines, such as, walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. These three lines are similar in thought, so it can be described as either synonymous or repetition parallelism, meaning the lines are in parallel motion. Or if you think that each phrase builds upon the thought, then that word would be called either addition or synthetic parallelism. And there's different kinds of parallelism, and I figured I'll cover those as we go through various psalms. Then the psalm continues. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he does meditate day and night. Verse 3, and he shall be like a tree. The word like here is showing us a figure of speech which we are familiar with in the English, and this is called a simile. Hebrew poetry is full of picture images like similes. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth much fruit in its season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does will prosper. Here it's clear that each phrase is building upon the description of the tree. So this one is a synthetic parallelism or an additional parallelism. We then will see a contrast. So this is what a godly man looks like. And now the ungodly are not like this. But they are like the chaff which the wind blows away. This is what happens at a threshing floor. After the wheat is broken up, the farmer will throw it up in the air and the wind blows away the chaff because it's so light. But the good seeds, which are heavier, they fall to the ground. And that's how they divide what is good and what is not good. Therefore, the ungodly are like the chaff they blow away. Therefore, the ungodly will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly will perish. Now, my ESV study Bible pointed out that the tree is in a dry climate and it needs water. The tree then bears fruit, but it's not for itself. It's for others to eat from it. So the righteous person will prosper, will bear fruit, but not for itself, but for others. My Psalms professor, Dr. J. Stephen Yule, said that the righteous person thinks differently, behaves differently, talks differently, delights in things like God's law, 
meditates on things like God's law and is planted by streams of water. It bears fruit in season and his leaf does not wither. He prospers in all he does and he is known by God. The ungodly perish. Chapter 2 starts with the ungodly, the heathens. And these heathens are angry. And these kings and rulers work together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands and cast out their cords from us. From here we see that kings and kingdoms are mentioned. So we could call this a kingly psalm. Since this psalm is spoken with a plural subject, it is a corporate psalm, not just one's personal prayer or song. Now, Peter, in the New Testament book of Acts, chapter 4, verse 23 through 31, this is after Jesus had died, arose, and ascended into heaven, and after the Holy Spirit has come down on the believers, Peter quotes these verses in reference to how the chief priest and the elders worked together and brought Jesus before Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel and how they came after Jesus to kill him. Then the psalmist says that he that sits on the heavens shall laugh and then the Lord shall pour out his displeasure on them. Yet, the Lord said, I have set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. Zion is another name for Jerusalem. And the Lord will declare, you are my son. This day I have begotten you. Later on in Acts, the apostle Paul quotes this portion of Psalm 2. Again, with reference that Jesus is the son that God raised up. And this is found in Acts 13, verse 33. The writer of Hebrews also referenced these verses in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 5, and in chapter 5, verse 5, saying that Jesus is the beloved of God, and he is begotten of the Father. Chapter 2 of Psalms continues with God telling his anointed, Ask of me and I will give you the heathen for your inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for your possession. You will break them with a rod of iron and shall dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Part of this verse is quoted, especially the rod of iron, in the last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 2 verses 26 and 27, as well as Revelation 12 verse 5, as well as Revelation 19.15. And of course, Revelation, the last book, shows when Christ overcomes the evil one. And because there is punishment for the wicked, the psalmist tells the king and judges to be wise, to be instructed, to serve the Lord with fear, and to rejoice with trembling, to kiss the Son, lest he gets angry and you perish from the way. When his anger is kindled, but just a little, blessed are they that put their trust in him. Again, we see the wicked perish, and we see that the righteous are blessed, and the reader is encouraged to walk in the way of wisdom. Dr. Yule also said, 
we are to read the Psalms as a book. When we read any book's introduction, we expect it to preview the main ideas that will be dispersed throughout the book. Since Psalm 1 and 2 serve as an introduction, we can expect its themes to become central throughout the book of Psalms, and that is God's way, God's word, God's rule, and God's king. I greatly look forward to our reading and praying of the Psalms this month. I hope that you are too. And ladies, if you hear God's voice today, don't harden your hearts like the wicked man. Instead, let's be women who walk in God's ways as we pray and obey the Psalms this week. Until next time, and thank you so much for listening.